Welcome to the Your Life Choices podcast. I'm John Deeks, and today we welcome back the multi-award winning Australian psychologist, Peter Quarry, the author of If I Were You. It's a book that will hopefully inspire you to reflect on your life journey as it is his and give you a toolkit to confront the curveballs that inevitably head our way. Peter's had decades of experiencing sharing his wisdom and insights, and today he's going to continue. Welcome to you, Peter. Hello, John. It's lovely to be back. It's lovely to see you too before you head off for a couple of months away into the warmth up yes. north. Well, um, you know, when you live in Melbourne, I think the only way you can cope <laughs> is by escaping the Melbourne winter because it is long, grey, and very miserable. I have uh, four sisters. One died about three years ago, and uh, last week, on uh, Friday, my second sister passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. So, a bit like the Beatles, there's only two of us left yes. my younger sister and myself. And I thought today, and this is without notice, and you are looking at me like, uh oh, where's he going with this? But I thought today I would ask you if we could talk about grief. Okay. Now, um, with grief, I, don't don't you throw your hands up and going, what? I did not throw my hands up. Well, <laughs> but I, I was thinking about this and I thought, well, as we get older, and I'm 72, and uh, a lot of our listeners are at a time where a lot of their friends are passing away, yes. uh, a lot of their loved ones close to them are passing away, and we approach grief differently in various stages of our life. Obviously, there's the uh, the sadness of losing a child, yes. starting at the very beginning, oh, um, yes. even in vitro, uh, then right through to... Look, I, I've, I've just had the situation recently where a very old friend of mine, um, who I've known since university days, that's how old we, we, we both know each other, um, she lost uh, one of her twin sons, oh, 37 okay. years old, um, by his own hand. Oh dear! And so it's it's more the more, it's it? the double whammy. I mean, you know, as as you rightly say, losing a child is bad enough, and that's horrible. And there's something there's something kind of I don't want to use the word unnatural, but I, I'm going to yeah. use the word unnatural because it, you know well, no it's not the it's not the order of things. You know, the parents are meant to go before the children go. That's kind of the natural order, if you like. So uh, a child going first is already horrible. Then, but then by his own hands. Raises a whole other level, but look, it's it's very interesting that you talk about grief because I, I've had three deaths in my kind of immediate circle in the last month. Oh, One, no. well, well, it's well, it's interesting because they're very different, and maybe I'll add them to your example that you're mentioning, and then we can talk a bit about coping. One was um, also another very old friend of mine who lost her younger brother. Now he was already in his sixties and he was ill. Sad. But I would say not tragic in the sense that, okay, you know, once you're starting to get up there, it's sad if you die, but it's not a tragedy. Then the, the second example was my, my friend whose son died. Now, that is, a tra- that is sad and a tragedy, and in fact, a double whammy tragedy. Now, the third death that, that I've just, uh, you know, been close to recently happened about two weeks ago. Um, the partner of a very close friend of mine who had had a stroke and was partially paralysed, was kind of semi in care, was able to live at home but, you know, um, with with a lot of care and was terrified about the idea of either having a fall or having another stroke and then being basically totally incapacitated. Um, they went to Switzerland and he, uh, he, he had a, a voluntary assisted dying procedure. Now, that's a kind of – that raises a whole other – bunch of questions about grief because 
you know, you know, and the family knows, and everyone knows that you are going to die at ten thirty on Thursday. So, how do you deal with the anticipatory grief? You know, the grief anticipating the event, let alone the the grief afterwards, which I think possibly is not as strong because you kind of knew it was going to happen. Yeah, a lot, a lot to deal with. <laughs> there, there, there's isn't so there? much to unpack. unpack. So, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, look, just just to keep yeah. things, dare I say, simpler yeah. um, for our particular Your Life Choices audience, who are, as you know, fifty five plus. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to dwell on on my personal experience, but my, my sister was uh, was uh, in her late eighties, right. and uh, it, so it was a natural progression, if you will. Yes. Great sadness, and now there's only two of us left. Yes. Uh, and and the next generation come through, etc. So, yeah. leaving aside those dreadful tragedies that you speak yeah. of, whether it be a child losing its life through a car accident or yeah. through a, a suicide, and the goodness knows there's so much of that. But yes, there focusing is. on on how our senior members cope with the inevitability because yes. that's what it is. I mean, everybody reflects on themselves and go, well, you know, I wonder how long I have left. Exactly. Exactly. So, we do. We, we, we wonder how long we, we have left and we also... We also wonder how we're going to go in the end. Would and you want to know the date and the time that you don't? Oh, look, it's such a good question. I am conflicted about that. I could I could easily argue both ways. I mean, there is something nice to think that, oh, well, you know, I just, fall, I just die in my sleep not knowing that it's going to happen. On the other hand, there's something about knowing when you're going to die that you can prepare for it, you can, you know, say the things that you want to say and so on. So I, I could argue both ways personally. But, of course, what I'm, I'm, the reason I ask that is because uh, not far from here my financial people are here and they've uh, we're talking about my superannuation. I said, well, I'm not going to die rich <laughs> and, um, and I'd like to really wind it down. But then you think, oh, hang on, um, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, maybe I've got another 20 years. Who knows? Yeah. So it, it is it is a strange one, isn't it? It is. But, but but what you can do is you can get your will in place. You can tell the people Absolutely. who you're nice, who you love, that you do Absolutely. love them. Absolutely. I mean, I, I look, absolutely I agree with all of that. I think the other thing is what what's very important, particularly people of, you know, our years, let's put it like that, is to think about what happens if I become incapacitated? Now, there are, I think there are different state laws around this. I know here in Victoria where we're recording, you can come up with, I think it's called a medical advanced care directive. I think that's the correct terminology. And I suspect there are similar arrangements in different states around the country where you can actually fill out a form that describes what your beliefs are, what your philosophy is, what your values are, and what your intentions and desires are should you become incapacitated. And that's very important because that can give direction to family and uh, you know close people and the medical people who might be looking after you. It can give them an indication of you know, what your preferences are in terms of things like, you know, whether you want to be resuscitated or not and all of these sorts of questions. So I think getting that in place, I, I'm not 100% sure of this, but I, I do believe that not a majority of people have done this. In fact, you know what I mean? Like most people have not actually done this. And I think this is a terribly important thing to do. 
What, what, what was it called? I, th- I think it's called an advanced care directive. Okay. Um, from memory, you can download it. If, if you Google it, you can download it. It's a form. Uh, look, I'll, I can only talk about the Victorian experience. Sure. I don't, I'm not familiar with the other states. But you download it, you fill it out. I mean, it's quite a long form. There's two or three pages. And then what you have to do is you have to take it to your GP. Um, they ah. have a look at it. They sign off on it. And then it can be uploaded to your e-health record, right. which is important because if you're, you know, in Queensland on holiday or something and something happens, mm. at least a local doctor can access it quickly. So uh, I'm a great believer in the e-health records. I, I know a lot of people have problems with that because of privacy and other issues, but um, it's called an advanced care directive. Well, you are, um, we have the Advanced Care Pl- Planning Australia and uh, thank you to Ian, our producer, has just come up with this uh terrific uh, website and it's advanced care planning one word advanced care au. go there have a look at that thank you Ian you're a champion um, I know that when I did my wills recently there was uh, an authorization for my elder son for instance yes. to to take care of my health should, should I you know be incapacitated yes uh, he, he would be the one to do that so I don't know the actual term I think of that. it's called the um, gar- uh, is it guardianship or yeah, something some, like some, something like that those forms are very important to put very in place important, very important and you know it's tempting to think oh I'll just leave it for now I'll do oh. it later I don't want to think about it particularly things like wills because they involve yeah. you having to make decisions who am I going to leave this to who am I going to not how are they going to feel and all of these sorts of things but I I think when you've done it and you've filled out the forms and then you've put them away, you've got a, a peace of mind that at least if something happens to you, that all of that is, there's, there's not a mess left. Most importantly, to tell those close to you that you have done that and where it is. If you haven't left it with yeah, your solicitor, absolutely. Then make sure you yeah, tell them idea. where it's at. But look, there's um, uh, you, you, you talked about grief before and I, I wanted to come back to that because I, I guess, you know, as a psychologist, that's, that's something of interest. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of the work of uh, uh, an American psychiatrist called Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Um, you'll recognise, uh, I think, her work when I start mentioning it in, in more detail, John. She um, was an American psychiatrist who talked to people who were facing death. These were ma- mainly cancer patients. Mm. And she looked at what was the reaction that they had when they heard the news that oh. it was terminal. And what she discovered was that there were a number of predictable emotional reactions that people go through. So, for example, the first reaction is shock. Like just... This can't be happening to me. This can't be happening to me. Just absolute total total shock. Then denial. Then um, what's interesting is a, 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 a anger. So, so patients can get quite angry, you know, at, at doctors, at their partners, at family. They can lash out. Um, another emotional reaction which is very common is um, bargaining. And this is a very interesting one. Bargaining. Bargaining. That's right. The, the, the patient, in an attempt to regain control over the situation, attempts to do a deal. So they'll say, for example, to the doctor, look, I'll start exercising. Right, you know, I'll start. I'll start eating. I'll give up the fags, or they try to do a deal with God. You know, they say, "God, I'll give up the fag. I'll start being really nice to everyone. Just make this go away." And what you say is correct because it's all about control. Correct. Life is all about control. But That's right. Certainly, you you do not have control. You've got cancer. 
well, hang on, it's happening to me. I'm not in control anymore. Then the final, the final stage is, which not everyone gets to, but you can, is acceptance, which isn't kind of, you know, ha, 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 this is terrific, but it's a, it's a quiet acceptance that this has happened. And Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work was, was very seminal in this kind of area of grief and loss because um, what she said is that the, the, these reactions are quite normal and, you know, there's almost a kind of sequence to them and that if you are a carer or if you are uh, somebody, you know, not just a professional carer but you might be a family member, you've got to understand that a person is going through these and not try to sort of stop them or blunt them or say, look, don't be angry, don't, but in, instead encourage them to express the anger because if they can express that feeling, they can then move on to the next stage right. and hopefully get towards acceptance. And and her work has been very, very influential, not just around uh, death uh, you know, and grieving, but really any sort of loss. For example, I remember many years ago doing some work um, with unemployed people, people who had, who had mm. lost their jobs. And if you look at a lot of their reactions, it's very similar, you know. So uh, I, I think her work is not just about uh, death, but it's about loss in general. Actually, I've just found uh, the link here, Peter. It is Elizabeth uh, Kubler-Ross. Yes. And uh, her book is called On Death and Dying. Oh, yes, that's right. On Death and Dying. Was, yep. It came out in 69. Yep. Um, that's why and, I couldn't remember. Uh, an international bestseller. Yep. Uh, on Death and Dying. But, you so. know, you don't need to read her book. If you just Google her, there'll be plenty of articles which, which will explain her, her ideas. Um, look, another um, person who's done some very interesting work, John, in this kind of area of the, if you like, the psychology of dying, that which is what we seem to be talking about, is a woman called um, Bronnie Ware. Now, she's um, she's an Australian nurse and she spent a lot of time in palliative care. Oh, I've heard of her. Yeah, yes. working with people who are obviously just about to die. And what she asked them and <gasps> explored with them is what their regrets were. Mm. And I think this is really interesting work because it, it, it kind of informs us who are still living what we need to get on with and do before it's too late. Do you have an example? Oh, yeah, well, there were, there were five things that she came up with from, from memory. One See, is... See, I find this being very positive. Yeah, oh, totally. It's wonderful. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think so as well. I mean, it's a little bit macabre, but I agree with you, John. It's, it, it's actually very positive because it... Well, let me tell you what the five were. So she, she identified these five regrets of the dying. Um, first of all, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. <laughs> right. Uh, second one, uh, is that ringing some bells for you, John? Oh, for everyone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not for you, Peter. <laughs> nice avoidance there. Um, se uh, second one was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Oh, that wasn't a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. But then again, I've done, I'm lucky to do what I'm doing because I love it. So That's true. So work. it's almost not work for you. Yeah. Um, a, th a third one was, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Now, I suspect this is more one for men than for women. You know, because a lot of men have trouble expressing feelings, reaching out. Um, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Mm. And I think this touches on an issue of, of loneliness, which maybe we can talk about next time, mm -hmm. um, which is a problem that is huge in our society. I mean, the, the American Surgeon General, who's like the top medical yeah, person sure. in America, 
just recently identified loneliness as a public health emergency. Wow. Can you believe it? And I think this particularly affects older people because we kind of let go of friends. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time, but I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And the final one is I wish I'd let myself be happier. Wow. You know, now that's a very interesting one in ter- which raises questions about what makes me happy, what do I need to change in my life to make me happier, which is not just external things but also stuff in terms of how I, you know, what's happening inside my head that can be make me happier. But I, I think those those five are interesting because if we have the time to reflect on them before we enter palliative care, we have time to do something about and it. And I guess this is what I said earlier about um, the chance that we have now uh, at, at, at an age while we are cognitive and, you know, we're okay and we're well, yep. to be able to say, I love you, um, how are you, to never not say I love you to your kids. How often do you hear men, again, who marry later in life, have a child and the kids from the previous marriage go, why didn't you spend this time with us? Yes, How that's ca- right. Well, because oh, I was so busy and everything. And there you go again. Look, what, what you're really saying is make change while you can. Yes, exactly. And and I, I look, I, I can't agree with you more. Okay. So to just to wrap this all up and, yep. and again, thank you so much for coming in, sitting down, and you had a lot of things planned, and I've gone, let's talk about grief. Hang on. <laughs> John, John, I, I, I worked with Bert Newton on Good Morning Australia for seven years. It was live, right? So yeah. not, not like here where if we do a fluff we can go for a second take. It was live around the country and I'd go in frequently with my plan that, you know, we'd all agreed on beforehand and he Hello, would go off to a there completely different place and I had to run with it. So don't worry, I'm completely Thank you. I comfortable. Promise, I promise I won't do it to you. Don't promise. Oh, all right, I won't promise. To leave our friends at Your Life Choices who have uh, have lost loved ones close to them, have lost friends and are themselves um, facing less ahead of them uh, than there are behind them, etc., and facing the inevitable not to get depressed but ha- how, to, how to build themselves up. What are some of the absolute keys? Oh, look, probably the main one here that I, I'd like to end with is – talk to people about this, talk to somebody, talk to a friend, talk to a a neighbour, talk to a family member, talk to a professional person if necessary. Now, if you're experiencing grief because you've lost someone, reach out and talk about it. There is nothing more helpful and healthy than talking about it because it allows you to express your feelings. When you bottle it all up, when you hold it all inside, so talk about grief, talk about the feelings you had if you've lost someone. Talk about your will. Talk about your advanced care uh, directive if you want to do that. Uh, talk it through with somebody so that they you, they can help you clarify your thinking about what you want. So talk to somebody. Don't keep this to yourself. Reach out and talk. That is the main advice I would give. Peter, thank you so much. I hope that this has been comfort to a lot of people. Um, and uh, again, thank you for broaching the subject uh, without notice and uh, we'll look That's forward fine. very much to, to talking to you again and I do encourage people to grab a hold of you. Have you got uh, any other books uh, on the way? No. Um, I, are you he- I, you're heading off. To, uh, are you going to be writing? I am going to be writing. I've just got a, a gig as a semi, semi-regular contributor to the Australian Financial Review. 
I got an Hang article. On, let me, I know. Let me to, I know. Advising, I, advising the advisors. I, I wrote. I wrote an article that got published about six six weeks ago um, about memoir writing, which we've talked about here. Yeah. And I'm just about to get another article published about the psychology of pain, because there's a whole new uh, paradigm uh, in our understanding of pain, which maybe we can talk about next next time I come in. I'm not prepared for um, that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, I'll be prepared. Uh, so I'm getting that published and uh, so I'm going to be writing some more more articles for them. So it's not kind of like a complete regular gig, but I am saying to get articles published in the Financial Review, which is a great newspaper. It's it's uh, Australia's most trusted newspaper. Well, there you go. And has a, a monthly readership of 3.9 million people. So and as far as I'm concerned, you're Australia's most trusted psychologist. <laughs> PeterQuarry.com is a good place to go. If you want to know more about Peter, Peter Quarry, that's uh, Peter, and Q-U-A-R-R-Y.com is uh, a good place to go. Check out the book, If I Were You. And Peter, if I were you, I'd come back again. <laughs> With the greatest of pleasure. Lovely to see you, John. Thank you for being part of Your Life Choices podcast, part of Australia's longest established and most trusted website for the over 50s. And as always, our mission is to inform, empower and engage. I hope we've done that for you today. And I hope you will join us again next time. 